0: guys, I am so excited to have this guest on the podcast today because we've never talked about this topic before. And I think it's really taboo still in 2021 to talk about these things like sex. And I just think it's really empowering to have a female founder on the podcast who was a former indie producer and turned into a sex tech entrepreneur through COVID. COVID is really just amazing to hear so many entrepreneurs' stories about how they emerged from COVID and created their dream businesses or businesses that they didn't even really have on their radar that just spoke to them. And then they started them. Like, it's really incredible to me. And it's so much fun to learn about their process because a lot of times it just happens and it's never really something that's planned out. I also find that to be really encouraging if you're listening and maybe you feel like, a little confused about your path or what you're meant to be doing or what's going to happen in 10 years. You know, that old, um, interview question where they're like, where do you see yourself in five years? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't planned ahead that far. I'm still figuring it out. And I think all of the guests that we have are truly a testament to throwing their hands in the air and just being like, yeah, I don't, I don't have an idea. And I think that's, empowering and encouraging and exciting to know that you don't have to know that either. But anyway, so excited to have Elizabeth on the podcast today. She is the co-founder of Amorous and she has built an intimacy app that allows you to feel more connected to your partner. And if you're wondering why is it an app, why is it not just something that I can text someone There's a whole reason behind why it's separate from something that you might do in your day to day. And I find the way that Elizabeth talks about sex and intimacy to be so inspiring and just lighthearted compared to, I think, what a lot of society tells us that sex should be, which is taboo, inappropriate. Um, and, and And Elizabeth and I talk through kind of like societal standards, expectations, and what that really looks like. I think one of the most fascinating things for me is when you think about being a child and sex or intimacy shows up, what that reaction is like that we're taught to have when we're younger. And it's really just amazing to think about the fact that we've been conditioned a certain way. And I love Elizabeth for coming on here. She was an indie film producer. So she completely did a 180 in her career from doing that to becoming in tech entrepreneur, which I just find fascinating. And I'm so excited for her. Um, But her story is so inspiring to me. And I think it'll be inspiring to you too, because outside of what she's Building, she just has such an open mind about where her career is headed, and COVID really turned that around for her. So, once again, if you're feeling stuck or you feel like maybe you're not quite sure what path you're on, I think this episode will really help you. And if you feel uncomfortable talking about sex, Talking about intimacy or even listening to it, listening to topics like that, you should listen to this episode and realize why it might make you feel that way and realize how getting in touch with that side of you might actually benefit you in your relationships. So I'm really excited about this episode. Clearly, I've had a three minute intro about it, but I'm really excited to hear what you guys think about it as well and what Elizabeth is building. But in the meantime, enjoy the episode and I will catch you on the flip side. Okay. I'm just going to dive in right there. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> so you studied chemistry in college. Now you do something that is chemistry, but in a different form.
1: <laughs> Entirely different kind of chemistry.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what inspired you
1: to be a chemistry major? I mean, I love science. I come from uh, doctors for parents. And, you know, growing up, I was, it's funny, all of my teen years, like all of my childhood, I was convinced I was going to do the same thing. And then the the moment I got to like, autonomous choice and like life after college, it all fell apart. Like I was so certain and then nope. But I was going to be a doctor. You know, my I was the oldest kid of doctor parents and I was going to be a doctor. And so I was going to be a chemistry or biology major. And then I got to college and the chemistry department had the really cool professors. And every now and then you got to do experiments that just might like eat through the table. And that was really cool. And I loved the other people in the chem department. And so I was a chemistry major. Um, And then I was convinced that I was going to go to medical school. I went abroad for a year. I came back and started medical school applications and was like mm. Where'd you go abroad? I went abroad to Switzerland. Uh-huh. Um I uh I was I lived in Switzerland in sort of the right on Lake Geneva in a city called Lausanne for a year and worked in a research laboratory there. I came back and I was like, Okay, so I really liked the people in the lab. And I really enjoyed being with all of them and being in Europe, but I don't know that I actually like enjoyed the science as much as it was just the tool that got me to be able to be there with the people and do the work and, and I like, and then be in the environment. And so I started to have all these second guesses, like, oh, you know, questioning a lot, like, did I want to go to medical school? And... I thought, oh gosh, maybe I don't want to go to medical school, which, you know, I had wanted to do since I was five. So I was completely paralyzed. And what do you do when you don't know what to do? And you're kind of an overeducated 21 21-year-old. You go to graduate school. So I pivoted and I applied to the School of Public Health. And I went to UC Berkeley for a master's in public health because um, I figured this was kind of a way to stay in health which I really loved but not necessarily commit to a decade and a half of medical school and figure out what that was going to look like and I in the process of being at UC Berkeley my next sister was an undergraduate at Berkeley so we started sharing an apartment and sharing a car and she had always wanted to be a film director always wanted to make movies. And so I started helping her with making movies. And I would like go up the mountainside in our car with our actors to shoot on like some random thing and learn that wind is really bad for sound capture. And I would be like, Hey, should we stop at subway to get sandwiches? And I learned that that was catering and I was producing like what, you know, what I was doing was producing these short, these short films we were doing. And I just loved it. I loved the autonomy of it. I loved all the different pieces and kind of weaving the ballet. And so when we both graduated within a few days of each other, she said, why don't you move to L.A. with me? And I said, OK, I mean, I'm not doing this crazy movie thing, but I'll move to L.A. I'll get like a proper job for, with real people. And I was in healthcare consulting for like four years in L.A. and still making movies with her on the side, still making a bunch of little short films and it came time for the first feature and it became it's, it it became really clear that either i was going to commit to making our first indie feature film or i was going to commit to being really good at my healthcare consulting job but those were no longer parallel tracks that i could maintain and i wow well, i would love to say that i just like made it decision super easy I actually went to my boss and I was like you know what I want to produce this movie can I have a three-month uh hiatus so that I can go just make this that's all it'll take it'll be great and he was like are you pregnant because this is not (laughs) academia like the only time you get three months off on hiatus is like family leave and I was like oh you can't sabbatical me. And he was like, no, that's sabbatical me. <laughs> That's not what happens. And I was like, Oh, well, in that case, I quit. Yeah. And, and it was that easy. It was just, wow. I mean, it was being able to hang out with my sister and make movies every day. Uh, so I quit and it took me, you know, a decade and a half to ever reclaim that level of income again. Uh, Cause that's what happens <laughs> when you become an independent film producer. But yeah. I I went and I made a hip-hop dance movie and then I made a bunch of other movies um, I did a lot of indie content, I did a lot of web content, I made a, a movie called Destination Wedding with Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder that was really fun yeah. and then no gosh a year and a half ago now so when at the beginning of the COVID all of a sudden it all evaporated, you know it all went on a grand pause because what I'm what I have done is be an independent feature film producer, and that is the hardest of all content to create it is the thinnest margins and the highest risk and it just all stopped for a couple of years and I had a little bit more space and I was I was producing you know corporate stuff and things but I had space to think and I also start and and I had this really cool idea to become an app entrepreneur and uh, and to dive into intimacy. And so, yeah, none of that makes any sense if you look and if you had told me in college that you know I was gonna be a film producer I probably would have slapped you I would have been so insulted um, <laughs> you know if you had told me as a film producer yeah I mean yeah like that like I, I grew up in New England that was like rational people get graduate yes. degrees <laughs> yeah. and they work you know and and they work very hard and they like have 2.5 kids and like that is what they do they don't hang out with crazy people in places like Los Angeles and uh and then if you told me as a film producer that like hey you're gonna become a sex tech entrepreneur i would have been like (laughs) not sure that's my path yeah Uh,
0: yeah yeah like high level looking at your life before all these things happen you're like "Mm, that's you got the wrong person honestly like that's not actually me
1: (laughs) what's funny though is in the in this newest iteration in this movement to be a sex tech entrepreneur i have reached out to a whole bunch of my best friends, you know, the ones that have known me since I was 15 or 17 or 19. And I've been pitching them and talking them through and sort of getting their feedback. And I'm like, it's this crazy thing. I think I'm going to be a sex tech entrepreneur. And universally, the response has been, oh, yeah, that scans. Oh, interesting. You're on brand. And I'm like, wait, what? And they're like, this is completely on brand for you, Elizabeth.
0: <laughs> interesting wow why do you think that is
1: well i think the thing that they've pointed out is that i've always been someone who loves communication you know storytelling in all of its forms whether that was just telling stories as a part at a party at 17 or telling stories professionally as a film producer or now like (laughs) facilitating people tell their stories to each other I mean that is intimacy and conversation is engagement in our own stories with the person we want to do that with and then I've always you know my my mother is a professor of public health she's a physician and a professor and emeritus now but specifically was reproductive health sort of mothers and babies and international reproductive health so I have always been the kid on the playground who someone says something about sex and I'm like, uh-uh, that's not actually how the biology works. You know, what? It, what? It how it really works is this, you know, I, I was, I've always been the like girlfriend at two in the morning, sitting around a table in a bar and someone makes a comment and I'm like, uh-uh, that's not your period. Let me get a napkin. I'm going to draw this out. Like, this is like, this is how it works and this is what goes on. And like, let me, let me, let me break this down for you. And just I always the it. person who was like, I'll talk about sex. I'll talk about relationships. I love these conversations. And I I love these conversations. And I also like have these conversations from a place of love. Right. Like I think sexuality is amazing and engaging and beautiful. And like the the most brilliant representations of our humanity happen in our sexuality. And so I think those are the threads that sort of have tied themselves together in creating an app to help everybody do that with their people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about um, why talking about this feels so taboo for some people. Like, I'm sure some people are going to see this episode pop up on their feed and be like, well, I'm not listening to that. Or like, there's like this level of discomfort that happens. And I Mm -hmm. think I think times are getting better. I mean, the sex industry is massive at this point Mm -hmm. like it's growing so quickly like what would you say to people who maybe have conventionally felt like talking about sex or talking about intimacy has made them feel uncomfortable
1: well i think it's a few things right i think for starters we teach really early that the one acceptable response to sexuality is disgust right we teach at a playground level, every kid learns, you know, someone comes in and talks about the thing that they saw their older brother, their older sister, like read or do or watch or, and the kid who leans in and says, really, tell me about that. They might get pointed at and called a perv or called like and go, you know, and go, ew. But the kid who leans back and says, oh, ew, ew, they're never going to get singled out. Right. That is going to be like they won't be censured for that choice. And so even without thinking about it, even without making any sort of conscious decision, we all get patterned that we should be uncomfortable with sexuality. We should be disgusted with sexuality. That is safe. That is the choice that will not open us up to anyone saying mean things about us, anyone pointing at us, anyone sort of like selecting us out for for shame, for ostracization, for all of those things. And then on top of that, we have a lot of I mean, we have a lot of organizations and and traditions and cultural things that say that explicitly again and again and again. Um, And then even in addition, we never pattern the positive side. Right? It's really, really hard to see what doing this well looks like. And because of that, no one ever feels confident in it. You know, one of the one of the great things about being a bit older in one's sexuality is that just confidence in experience that okay i've had a few different partners i've had a bunch of different kinds of sex over my entire life and i can feel pretty confident in where i have skills and where i don't and what i know and what i don't right it's nice to be good at things it's hard to be good at things when you never see what being good at it looks like you can't even you know i think about just everything we learn how to do as humans we are mimics. We are monkeys. You know, we. I walk into a grocery store in a foreign country, and I'm like, I don't know how to buy this thing. Let me look around at what everyone else is doing, and let me just sort of follow them. Like they they'll pattern for me. But yeah. where do you see good patterns of what does sexual communication look like when it's beautiful? What does fun sexting look like and feel like? What am you know? I think we we see some things like we see porn. Although I had someone tell me the other day, like I don't know why we use porn for education. You wouldn't go watch Gone in sixty seconds and say this is teaching me how to drive a car. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> oh, wait, that's so good. <laughs> and I was like, that's oh my hilarious. Gosh, yes. Like Fast and Furious. It's like, yeah, you know yeah. what? That, sh- okay.
1: <laughs> that should not be teaching you how to drive cars porn should yeah. not be teaching you what sex and you know normally looks like yeah but even in with something like porn the 45 minutes before that is never there and that's the part of where you're communicating that's the part where you know and that's happening like i would imagine even in a porn studio there's that moment you know the The performers are sitting down and they're saying, what are you feeling like today? You know, how is your body moving? What are we going to try? What are we not going to try? You know, how do we find a rhythm that feels really good? Oh, you know, these are the things that always feel really good to me. So if you could do some of those, that would be great to make this scene really special. They're going to have that conversation. We are never going to see that conversation.
0: Oh, that's so fascinating. What a great comparison.
1: And so... Yeah. And and that's honestly, that's what I wanted to build with my app was like we those conversations are so amazing and juicy and vital and confidence building and all of this. How do we help people have them when there's nowhere to go look for them? There's nowhere to sort of say, oh, I can judge what I'm doing against some outside like, oh, this is what it looks like when it's done well. This is what I should aspire to. You know,
0: I love that. Let's talk about the app. So mm. how do you use it? Who yeah. can use it? All the so details. So
1: the app is called Amorous. A-M-O-R-U-S. So slightly misspelled to be our app name. And it's available for iOS and Android pretty much around the world. There's some territories that don't like age-gated apps because it is for 17 plus. It is an adult app or 17 plus, 18 plus, whatever the local restriction is. Amorous is an activity app for sexting what does that mean or an activity app for intimacy in our modern era like sexting is the word we use for intimacy or the word we use for sexual communication digitally and it's frustrating because it's the term everyone knows but at the same time everybody knows it as like oh that's teenagers doing the wrong thing in revenge porn <laughs> and i'm like no right. it's it's talking about sexuality. It's talking about pleasure. Like that is what intimacy is, is learning the other person and sharing who you are and sharing what makes you feel good and making you feel good together. And that's yes. brilliant and beautiful. Right. So it's so true how skewed that perspective
0: can be sometimes right. when you call it out like that. It's really interesting because I think for a lot of people, they still have those childhood memories when you're saying this is just like a baseline communication you know um like practice with your mm-hmm. significant other or with
1: your partner you know yeah and when i say activity app i think of like i think of say calm or headspace as like their meditation apps right and they help you do the thing of mindfulness and they embed all of these best practices so you don't have to go out and research 37 sites and 15 different teachers and all of these things to understand how to navigate a path through trying to get to mindfulness instead they say hey we're going to put all of that in one place for you we're going to make you better at this thing just by being here Because we're going to lift up the floor. We're going to like put you on a platform that raises your skills up because you're in the place that's designed to do this well. And that's the idea of amorous and intimacy. That when you come into amorous, it is a space for sexy communication. It is a space for communicating with your person. And so that means at its core, it's a messaging app, you set up a relationship with your person, you can chat, you can send pictures. But it is deliberately designed to have privacy controls, to have deletion controls over all your content and your relationships to be a dark space. So you're not going into a marketplace of people who might see your profile or, you know, Facebook might tell you if you're, fr- if you're friends with this person, you should also be friends with that person. No, you only link to the person you explicitly invite and then you only exist in a relationship with them and they only see how you exist on Amorous as a relationship with them, right? You, They don't see your other relationships. They don't see any picture you post. You just have that stream of conversation. But conversation is just the beginning part. Like, how do we do that? Well, Amorous has a bunch of games, all of which are designed to help that communication and lift it up. So anything from just really fun flirting with jigsaw. So take a picture, upload it, send it to your partner, and they get a blurry tiled jigsaw. And they only get to see the full picture when they do the puzzle. So it's like, you just gotta go work a little bit before you get my good stuff <laughs> That's cute. um there's a game called chat sparks which is all about starting a new sexy conversation what are again rather than you have to be the very best version of the sexiest most educated most creative person who has shown up in the world we're gonna take a whole shelf of books on how to start fun conversations and interesting things to talk about in sex. And we're going to embed them in this game. So you just press the button and it sends a question to both of you. Like, what's the deepest underground you've ever had sex? Or what was your favorite fantasy at 20? And it just kicks off a new conversation. It gives you a way in and you don't have to come up with that. And you don't have to be judged for that because
0: it's the game. Got it. So, if someone's talking about, so I'm sure there are a lot of people who are like, well, I trust my partner and I can just sext with my partner through, mm-hmm. you know, regular SMS messaging. What does that like conversation even look like for them with their partner of why they should use this app?
1: So, you can absolutely sext with your partner on SMS text. And then it's your responsibility or your partner's responsibility to be fully the ones coming up with what you're going to do next and being creative. I will be honest, the generation of amorous, the idea and where it came from, came from exactly this problem. I'm I'm pretty ninja when it comes to sexting. I'm going to be honest. I'm a communicator. I love storytelling. I've been like reading erotica most of my grown life. Like I am really good at sexting. And yeah. in the pandemic, I really wanted it because I was not um, co-located with a partner when we were all in lockdown and I really needed that pleasure and that sexuality and even I I was burning up my thumbs and I got <laughs> exhausted I was like I can't come up with another role play scenario like I can't figure <laughs> out another creative way to have this conversation like I really wanted and I want to discover my partner but like I don't know what to do next I don't mm. I need more I, I need more activities and that's the thing that Amorous is about like hey let's go do a fun thing that neither of us has to necessarily start and neither of us has to put out there to be rejected like we can go be sexy together on Amorous and Amorous can provide us with things to do like the third game we have is called Fantasy Swipe and it's tiles with fantasies you tinder kind of yes no swipe right and left on them your partner does the same and when you match but only when you match they're revealed in your chat stream with a fun sexy prompt to talk about them so for instance oh you both like librarian and student uh who has the overdue book and what is the penalty like (laughs) discuss (laughs) um but again, it's a way, like, it's an easier way in to uncover new ideas that you share. Because in Fantasy Swipe, you can feel confident disclosing what you want without necessarily first. Putting it in front of your partner and having your partner say, oh, I don't want that, or ew. And then, like, I didn't mean the ew, it was just instinctive, but still, like, now you feel bad because I rejected, ah. Uh, like, yeah. it's a really vulnerable thing to talk about what you desire. This is a game that helps make that a little easier because the conversation starts from, you and I both want this because we matched because and so now we can talk from a place of confidence that this is a cool thing what does it look like what does it feel like how do we do it how do we try it what how have we thought about what's your version of like the best ever playing strangers at a hotel bar what's my version of playing strangers at a hotel bar are they different are they the same let's dive in and so again I come back to the question you asked What makes this better than just SMS text? It's the fact that we actually give you more to do and we upskill you. We make you better at these conversations from the games, from the tools. We have a whole bunch of emojis that are sort of selectively, especially designed to sort of facilitate conversation. Um, And then actually something that I did not really think about when I built the app, but I have since had a bunch of couples who are using it, reach out and tell me is an amazing benefit of it, is that you turn on anticipation for the first time. And what I mean by that is when you're sending someone a sexy text in SMS, nobody knows that it's coming in as a sexy thing, right? That could be, oh, did you remember to get the milk and um, I didn't fold the laundry and, you know, or like the rent is due, or it can be all kinds of of just normal stuff. So it's just, oh, you look at your phone and whatever. And then it's great when you get hit with a sexy thing, but it might not be the right context. It might not be the right timing. You might not interpret it the right way. One of the awesome things about using amorous is that when you get a ping that says you have a new message in amorous, you know that you got a sexy thing and (laughs) you can wait until it's the right time you can be like okay great i'm not going to look at that in the grocery store i'm going to wait until i get into my car and i'm like sitting in private um or whatever that is but i can spend the next hour being like there's a sexy thing i'm just waiting for the fun sexy thing like it it gives you that sort of One of my friends called it heart flutters, but like that, like spine shiver, delicious fizz even before you're reading it, because you've got a space for this and you've got a space where you have permission to do this. Like it, you're both opting in and saying, yes, I want sexiness with you. I don't have to know what that exactly looks like. I just know I want it. And so we're going to go to Amorous and do that and then discover it. But we're both here to have sexy
0: yeah i love it it's like also like making it more habitual to think about not in like an unsexy way but like creating space for it Mm -hmm. which i think is really powerful too because because exactly what you said people get stuck in the habits everyday things right then what about creating this is like a new practice for yourself you Mm -hmm. know it almost helps you get into that versus the onus being on you like you were saying
1: it's so Mm -hmm. true and i think that You know, we are creatures of habit. It's the way we manage information overload is to habituate and then not have to think about it. But we do that in our relationships. Like we get into rhythms, in how we talk to each other, in what we do in the bedroom, in all of these things. And finding ways to change that up, finding ways to sort of, you know, make the ground a little bumpier. And so all of a sudden we're paying attention again is is sometimes really hard and this is a way to do that it's a way to say <clears throat> hey let's take our let's take our communication into a new space and then the rules aren't the same the rules of like what we say and don't say in sms text or the rules of what we talk about in the bedroom or the rules of how we have sex and <clears throat> I mean, not even rules. Rules seems a little harsh, but just those patterns, though they don't apply because we're in a new place, and so we can find new ones. We can explore new things.
0: So, I'm interested about the story aspect of mm-hmm. building an app because, yeah, like the fact that this start. I had chills when you were talking about when this idea came to you because that's like not that long ago. I mean, for us, mm-hmm. I know you know going through COVID, it can seem like a really long time for some things, and then not that long of a time. And building an app yeah. takes a really you know it can take a really long time so what was that process like
1: for you so uh, it was a process that felt really long um but in retrospect people are like no that actually was really quite efficient what you did um but the way it worked was i i started you know very much at the beginning of the covid I was already having i was like i need this and, and why and and i really wanted help with my sexting and honestly in the beginning i was not thinking about making a new company i was not thinking about a new avenue for entrepreneurship i was just thinking about a thing i wanted i wanted help
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and i went looking figuring oh this is sex Like, this is sex on the internet. It will be easy. There will be so much available. It'll be great. And what I found was there are amazing things for sex on the internet. But so much of it is oriented around solo experience, right? You go watch porn by yourself. There's these amazing Sort of generation or kind of class of sex tech and education apps and exploration like Coral and Furly and all of these great and Dipsy, but they're all sort of, I want to explore myself. I am going on this journey. And often when it came to couples, you had some things that were like, okay, you're in trouble and you need therapy. And here how, here's how we're going to try and take couples therapy and, and put it into an app setting. Or here's how we're going to help you remember the logistics of your relationship. But there was very little that was, we're just going to uplift the engagement between the two of you. We're going to like help you still stay centered in what's happening and just make it better, make it easier. So I was super annoyed. I was just really, really, really annoyed by this. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, wait, maybe this is actually an opportunity. Maybe I have found something that I should be doing. Uh, yeah. And so I started thinking about that. And there was several months of, okay, am I fixing sexting? Am I building a game? Is this like a choose your own adventure that two couples do together? Like, like, or like two people, two partners in whatever shape do together? what is this thing that i want and i had a friend who was a fintech entrepreneur and he suggested why don't you try no code because there's this world of platforms now that will help you code without having to learn actual coding languages And so i spent the summer of 2020 trying to build the first version of Amorous in a no code platform Shut up. (laughs)
0: That's amazing by yourself. Yeah,
1: yeah. it was existentially hard. (laughs) I'm really pretty smart and savvy person. And it was so hard because the thing that they don't tell you about no code is that while you do not have to learn the language of coding, you have to learn how to think like a coder. You have Mm -hmm. to learn the frameworks and the structure of, like, how to think about information moving between pieces in, you know, in between your structures and data storage and tables. And and that there's like a whole just like there's a whole sort of understanding how to think like a chef or understanding how to think like a marketing executive. There's just a set of frameworks that you have to learn, Mm -hmm. even if you're not learning the coding language itself. And that Oh my gosh! I felt like a two-year-old learning to walk, like surrounded <laughs> by people. Where I was like, "You all are doing this, and I know what it is I want to do. I just can't yeah. make my freaking legs do the thing. Why yes. is this so hard?" Yeah, um, I finally got to a really basic prototype, and showed it to a friend, and her response was, "Huh? Don't show this to anyone else ever."
0: Oh, no. <laughs> It was dark, uh, <laughs> and you're probably like in a silo, right? With COVID, mm-hmm. just kind of like cranking through this yourself, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and I and she was like, "Look, what you're building is really cool, but what you're building is something that I could understand from wireframes. Like, you don't mm-hmm. actually need to build a prototype." for me to understand what it is. Cause it's a messaging app and then it's got games function on top of it. And at its core, that's what you have. And that's pretty straightforward to understand. And she was like, but when you're built, like the thing you built works, but it's really janky and it's really ugly and nobody wants <laughs> uh, a janky, ugly thing. Yeah. I was like, oh, All right. Like
0: I uh, tried so hard with no yeah. code. <laughs> so but, then what happened? Like what well, was the like thing after that?
1: So I I all of my career I like to say the work is never wasted like you never know it always comes around and like the skill set is valuable and so while I had been doing this no code I'd also been posting in a bunch of co-founder platforms and startup platforms like I'd love I'm trying to connect with technical people I'm trying to build an app for intimacy anyone who's interested please let me know and so I would have all these meetings and I would chat with people on zoom and they would you know Everything from the app agency in Los Angeles that was like, I can we can build this for you. It's going to be like, I don't know, two hundred twenty-five grand, maybe two forty. And I was like, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. No hard pass. Yeah. Um, hard pass. Yeah. <clears throat> to to you know the entrepreneur, like the the company you know in Indonesia that was like, we will build this for you with our developers, and we'll have twenty percent of your equity. Or people who were just like, I'm a coder, and I think this is kind of interesting. And in that process, I met who is the person, the two people who are now my co-founders. I met a brother-sister team. Uh, My co-founder, Val, he and his sister, Anna, build mobile apps. And they're amazing. And I met them and I was like, oh, one, you have siblings. Uh, I think on, you know, co-founders lab or founders list. I mean, it was honestly just one of these founder matching sites and platforms for meeting other people. And he was... Yeah, I think Val reached out and he was like, I built a swingers app once. And I think intimacy is a pretty interesting space. And you know, let's talk about it. And then he was like, and I work with my sister. And I was like, okay, winning. Like I work with my sister. Like, I'm sorry if you can get along with a sibling, like that's already, I'm so opted in. And I actually hired them initially to it. uh, We had a deal to, to build out the very first version of the app. And with a kind of a, I'm going to bring you on to build this, to build and design this first production version. And at the end of that, I'm going to pay X. And if I decide to ask you to just walk away, I'll pay this sort of additional bonus for that. Or we'll have a conversation about what we do next. And I got to the end of that process and loved them and was like, valid, like you know, it was not always happy. You know, that was, I think, from September until March, beginning of April was the build on the app and it was just a really wonderful experience and so once that was done i was like i want you guys to come on you know as 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 co-founders with me and as builders of this app and and that's where we're at now but i would say one of the things that was huge from the no code process was that i came out of it knowing exactly what i wanted to build Right? I knew it had to be a lot more beautiful and a lot more functional. But going into that, I was still like, I don't really know what it is I'm doing. Coming out of the no code, I was very clear. There were four things that my app needed to do, and only four. You needed to be able to create a user, you needed to be able to invite a person to join you, you needed to be able to send a chat message with that, to that person in a relationship, and you needed to be able to play a game with them. And if I could do those four things, then I had amorous Yeah, and it made the actual app build so much smoother because I could always come back to like, Mm -hmm. this is the thing that we're building. If it doesn't do these four things, we don't want it. If it facilitates these four things, then maybe like how much does it facilitate? Where does it facilitate? How does it facilitate? You know?
0: Yeah. That's Um, so interesting.
1: So it was really, yeah, it was really useful. And then we, we finished the app in well we finished the apple version of the app in march and then submitted it to the app store and that was that was an interesting process cuz you know it's not easy oh to gosh, get any app that. through the app store especially yes. one talking about intimacy and relationships and then so that was maybe a month-long process to do to go back and forth with the App Store and kind of make some changes and make some changes and resubmit and make some changes and resubmit. And then once we had done that, we then went back to the Android version and made the changes so that the two versions would be totally in sync mm-hmm. and then r- submitted that and released that on Google Play. Uh, so that happened in May. And then we had a couple of months beta, where we were using it with a small group and getting some feedback and making some iterations and changes. And then we sort of officially launched, although in a, in a small app, you're just kind of constantly launching and relaunching and like just growing. But we did our sort of officially-ish launch with a product hunt release last month in September. And we keep growing since then and you know building out a blog and channel partnerships and all that good stuff. That's, that's the trajectory of the app to date.
0: Amazing. Congrats. It's so cool. And and how does Thank it feel you. now with, I'm not COVID's obviously not over, right? Mm-hmm. Around the world, it's really not over. And what does your life look like now coming out of COVID knowing that you can go back to what you used to do and that the world is opening up again? Not in the same ways, but in mm-hmm. ways that would allow you to do other
1: things. You know, it's interesting. I... I had this rather singular experience of not choosing to leave but just having the spigot turned off. You know, I think for many entrepreneurs they don't want the thing that's behind them and then they leave to find the thing that's in front of them. I had a bit of a different path in that the thing that was that I was doing, that I actually really loved doing just stopped. That being said, I love being a sex tech entrepreneur. Um, I'll tell you one of the funnest things I have done, although so much of it is so fun. But one of the funnest things I have done in building this app was the background interviews where I just spent a whole bunch of time interviewing something like 30 people with these deep dives of like, let's spend an hour and a half talking about your best sexting ever you give me all your tips and tricks like what it what why was it so great what was it and and in fact we've collected all of that into a sort of sexting and sexual communication workshop that I give occasionally with you know brand partners or with sexuality organizations and I'm like sure let's do a sexting 101 like let's talk about and I'm like this isn't You know, some of these are my skills, but all of these are all like all these other people's skills and communication that we can bring together and and teach. And I love that. I love all of those conversations. I love bringing that to people. And I love seeing the it's interesting. It's in some ways there's I think a lot of us feel like the world tells us we don't have permission to engage With intimacy. We don't have permission to engage with sexuality. And when you have a conversation with someone and you're like, this is the thing, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing, and it's sex positive, and this is about you and your person knowing each other and seeing each other and loving the things that you bring to the table, and isn't that an amazing thing that you want? People are like, yeah, I do. And you have a whole different perspective on what talking about sex should feel like, and I want your perspective. And I'm like, yes, this is what I want. This is this is the secret sauce I want to spread to the world. So, yeah. as much as uh, I love the film business, like this is incredibly powerful. This is the place I want to be. It's just amazing.
0: And I guarantee there is going to be someone listening to this podcast episode. Their mind is going to evolve as a result of this conversation because. I love it. Yeah, because of the conversations that we're used to having, like you said, in childhood growing up. And, and you know, just because you get older doesn't mean that it goes away, right? So it's like kind of creating these this new headspace, right, mm-hmm. for, for intimacy that everyone yeah. can feel really positive about. And it's not a negative thing. It's not a bad thing.
1: And one of the things I love about... I mean, I think I've said it in some ways, but the one things I love about intimacy and sexy chat and sexting is that it is about who you are in this moment and that that person is awesome. We in our society permit sexuality in these very narrow bands, but one of the places that we use it is to make you feel bad and sell you something. Right. Like sexuality is allowed in our popular culture when it is about how you are not right. And we can make you right if you buy a thing or if you do a thing or if you change. But the beauty of like a sexy conversation with your partner is your is is the ability to say this is who I am. And they're like, that is hot as hell. I want that right now. I want the ideas in your brain. I want the things that you desire. Like I want, you know, your ideas about a hot tub cabin in the woods are amazing. And we are full of pleasure here now with us, not the thin version or the young version or the older version or the smarter version or the less problematic version or the it's this, it's us. And we have very few spaces that say that in our world
0: oh my god i i have chills right now i love that yeah because you think about like reminiscing about ways that things used to be and recreating that but it's like what mm-hmm. if you just embrace the present moment as just as glorious and wonderful as the past or the future when you think things are going to be quote unquote better you know mm-hmm. I love it.
1: there was a thing so in the within the with the background interviews and the surveys that we did in the beginning I did a survey asking people, about a thousand people, about their sexual communication with technology. And I asked if people were uncomfortable, and many of them said yes. <laughs> and I asked why, and I gave about a dozen reasons, everything we could possibly think of, of why you might find sexy communication uncomfortable. Everything from like, I will be too dirty, to I will not be dirty enough. You know, I, my things won't be private. And the thing that was really surprising to me and heartbreaking was that the number one selected answer was, I will be too honest. And what that says about my honest sexuality and personality and choices and desires will be fundamentally problematic to my partner it's just heartbreaking, and the thing is, is that most of the time it's not true. Like most of you know, we we are creatures who, okay, I don't want us to be universal, but most of us, especially with our our primary partners and our and the people we love, we want them to be happy. We want to do the things that make them happy. We want to like, and also it is delicious to be doing something sexy with a partner when you know they want it like that just makes it all the much more better but we feel like all of the things that we say aren't gonna be well received and if there's anything I can have Amaris do is to help get to that conversation about telling your partner what you want and 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 hearing what they want and finding a place to be able to do that comfortably and safely so because our honest sexuality is amazing You know, if it's the smell of cut grass or the smell of gasoline or the smell of paint that turns you on, tell someone, you know, like it,
0: it, get it out there, put it out
1: there, like tweet it,
0: you know, (laughs) no kidding. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, it's there's a million surveys that all will tell you the number one thing you can do to get your partner to do something you want them like sexy wise is to just say it. If you tell Mm -hmm. them the thing that you want, that is far and away the most powerful thing you can do to get someone to do that thing you know don't just say i like it when you kiss my neck say i really like it when you kiss my neck right at the like top of my spine right where the hair is but just on the left and the right side not really in the center if you Mm -hmm. tell someone that they're like cool i you just gave me the secret handbook i can totally turn you on amazing i'm gonna do that every time
0: right totally it's so true and it's, like, just having that moment of confidence, you know, and and confidence to say that to your partner means so much, and that's why your app is so important because it yeah. gives a safe space for that. What would you say is, like, the future of
1: sex tech? Like, where is the industry headed? I am so excited about all the places that the industry is headed. I think it is not – Universally, one thing or another, but there's a world. hmm, This there's this whole rising class of sex tech entrepreneurs. Many of them much farther along than me, but they're female or femme presenting or non-binary, and they're really like, which is not to say you know men have no place here, but there's just this such an exciting group of people thinking about alternative gazes. For so long, sexuality has not only been something you don't talk about, but even when you do, it's only this one lens. And this one lens is very cis, and it's very heteronormative, and it's very male. And the expanded definitions of who is welcome in these places and who is welcome to run these companies and who and what kinds of things can they do for you whether that's exploring audio erotica or you know crazy technology in your sex toys or just you know tools to there's this really interesting cool technology called the v-dom which is like a packer that can expand so if you're someone who is wants to be out in the world and then sort of to get an erection but that was not biologically possible this is a tool that where you can go from being sort of on erect to erect and i'm just like that's amazing and there's a group of people who really can use that and having this great and expansive network of people building sex tech means that all of this is coming into the world now and yes i just adore it there's i saw a statistic the other day where that said among sort of basically among the u.s population from about 1970 to about 2010 if you asked people to report their sexualities about four percent of people a steady percentage about four percent would report as being lgbtqia like that was that was the holding number and everyone was like that's the like back of the envelope it's always four percent in the last decade that number has moved up to like 13 percent and it's climbing there is this awareness of expanded definitions of gender of sexuality of relationship dynamics and I think it's amazing I think it's just I think there's so many opportunities and it's so exciting to see what's happening
0: yes and that's why I love these next generations how they're starting conversations and they are catalysts for a lot of these things too because I can say as a millennial um, our generation was not it i mean we we started sub conversations but i feel like gen z and even alpha after that you're going to be so much more empowered to just talk openly about these things which is just amazing
1: i mean i have a significant handful of my generation so i'm very much like a gen xer of male friends who are at this stage in life now exploring bisexuality and exploring and and are like this is something that's probably been here my entire life i'm but i just didn't feel like i had permission there wasn't space the world didn't give me space and in a world where it's really it's really hard to be in between i just like quietly stayed you know, heteronormative because that was because I was happy there and it was a lot easier than trying to break down barriers. But now that I'm older and more confident in myself, I'm able to start this and come out in this, you know, and, and, and embrace these new added facets of myself. And that is just an amazing thing to watch. It's, it's and it's amazing things. I mean, yeah, I, I I love all of the different options we have these days. And that's wonderful.
0: Yeah, I agree. So what's next for you and the team? What's next for the app?
1: So we are trying to put the app out in people's on people's phones. So getting the word out and reaching out, sort of figuring out our first marketing pilots and what those strategies are. Um, we're building a blog, which is unfortunately not quite yet launched, but will be at sexteducation.com s-e-x-t yeah, but yeah because there's just there are almost a million searches a month for help with sexting in google right this is yeah. a thing that again going back to that you no know, everybody wants and nobody models so building out some of those tools to kind of bring people into the app and help but also just help people with all of this sexy delicious intimate conversation and yeah we're, uh, we're in an angel fundraise right now. So anyone cool. who's listening to this who wants to reach out to me, please do. Uh, and yeah, it's 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 a really exciting time. I love it. And where can people find you? Again, just one more plug. Absolutely. So the website is amorous.net, A-M-O-R-U-S dot net. And we are on all the socials as at Amorous app. So just add A-P-P, A-M-O-R-U-S-A-P-P is all of our socials.
0: Love it. All right. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Yay. Thank you so much. This has been this. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for coming on the podcast and telling us all about what you're doing, what's ahead for you. I'm so beyond excited for your journey and I'm just so Pumped to see that there is a female founder that is building something like this, especially in a world where we as female founders, we're still trying to earn our equality, which is really sad, but especially in, I'm sure a very competitive industry like sex tech. It's just really inspiring to see these female founders rise and create something that is so powerful. So props to you. Thanks so much for coming in the podcast. Loved having you. And if you guys as listeners love this episode, let me know, shoot me an email, leave a review. I would love to hear what you think. Once again, you guys know I'm always open to feedback about guests you'd like to have on. Um, I really do listen to that. So when you tell me I'm all ears, and topics that you'd like to see covered. Maybe there is a topic that you're trying to focus on in your career or that you're considering as an entrepreneur that isn't really talked about that much and we should talk about it and bring more awareness to it. So if you feel like there's something that you want to get off your chest and share, maybe we can find someone to have on the podcast that supports that topic. I'm all ears. So just let me know. And thanks so much again, Elizabeth, for coming in the podcast. And I will catch you guys in next week's episode. Have a good one.